So Jesus said, ask me anything in my name and I will do it. Ask me anything in my name and I will do it. I have four kids and like from nine to two, they all have their opinions, they all have their likes and interests. If I were to line them up and say to them, hey guys, you can have anything. If you ask in my name, I will do it. Anything you ask in my name and I will do it. Now if they were like, man, what is dad talking about? He's going crazy. But if they actually believed me, if they started to say, is he serious? Like all we have to do is we can ask anything in his name and he'll do it? They would get together and they would start to scheme and they would be like, this is amazing. Our lives will never be the same because we can ask dad anything. We just tag his name on there and he said he will do it. So now we can hold him accountable to that. And uh, their lives would be change forever, but I'm not going to tell them that. <laughs> At least not like Jesus told us. But that's what Jesus said to his disciples. Ask me anything in my name and I will do it. What did he mean? What did he mean? Did he really mean anything? Come on. Anything in my name and I will do it. I want us to get to the bottom of that statement that Jesus made today. So turn to John chapter 14. That's where Jesus said it. And as you're turning, I'll just help you remember what, what's going on here. This is at the end of Jesus' earthly ministry. And he just told his disciples, he said, I'm going to be betrayed by one of you. And Peter, you're going to deny me. And the disciples are like, what is he talking about? And then it says that Jesus felt that he needed to comfort his disciples. And then he opens up in this like last conversation that he has with them, the most broadest, deepest conversation that he has. He opens up to them the things of the kingdom. And it says that he comforts them. And it's in that conversation that we find this verse. John 14, 14. So you can memorize a verse today. John 14, 14. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. To further get at what Jesus is saying, we're just going to back up a couple verses and, and see if that flavors his statement. Look at verse 13. Jesus says something that basically sounds redundant, although there's new information here. He says, And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Son may bring glory to the Father. So yeah, kind of tags on that, that phrase. You can ask me whatever you want, so that the Son may glorify the Father. See, that already starts to shape what we ask Jesus in his name. So here's some prayers that, that we could ask Jesus in his name that, that would preclude the ability for the Son to bring glory to the Father. We could say this. God, please make me more important than the people around me. Or we could say, God, please help that guy that cut me off Help him to get a ticket because he was acting very inappropriately. And maybe he was. Maybe he deserves a ticket. But if we ask that in the wrong way, we may preclude the ability for the Father or for the Son to bring glory to the Father. God, please allow me to remain bitter toward her 
because she hurt me really badly and I need to hang on to this bitterness. God, please help me erase the history on my internet browser so that the people around me don't see the websites that I was on. Or God, please blind the teacher to my cheating. I don't want to expose what's happening here. I want to keep it secret. We can all think of prayers that would not bring glory to the Father, and we can all think of prayers that would would basically cut Jesus, cut his ability out to take glory to the Father. So obviously it's not that. Let's look at verse 12. Let's go back one more verse. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, anyone who has faith in me will do what I have been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. So now Jesus, right before this, he said, you will do greater things he said this to his disciples, you will do greater things than I. And how is that true? How is it even possible that Jesus, the Savior of the world, how could anyone do anything greater than he did? But that's what he said. To the best of my knowledge, Jesus was never in Delaware preaching. He, he spent most of his life basically centered around Jerusalem. Now, when he was tempted, we don't know where he went. Maybe he did come to Delaware. I don't know. But what we do know is that the greater things that Jesus empowers his disciples to do is to take the name of Jesus to the ends of the earth. And that's what we've seen, and that's what we've experienced. That's why we're all here. So at some level, that is a greater thing because the kingdom is is wide open to what the Spirit of God wants to do. Let's go forward from this verse. Verse 15 says, If you love me, you will obey my command. Jesus says, Obedience flows from love. In verse 16 he says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever, the spirit of truth. I like how he says another counselor. So Jesus is already their counselor. He's about to leave, but he will send another counselor the advocate, the spirit of truth into their lives to guide them into all truth. So we already start to see some of the shaping things around the statement, but what I want to um, what I, what I, what I think about is I still cannot get over the fact that Jesus said to his disciples, ask me anything in my name and I will do it. Was, he like, was that like a trap? Was that a conditional statement? What's the deal? In my extensive research for this sermon, I, I googled anything and whatever. And the two words, anything and whatever, when you put them together, what pops up is it's really totally random. You can like, after I tell you this, you can let it go. In Singapore, there's a, a soft drink company that makes um, two soft drinks. They're called Anything and Whatever. And I think they just stopped making them, and you'll you'll hear why. So Anything is a carbonated soda, and uh, Whatever is a a nice tea drink. And on the can, it's just like real blank. It just says Anything, and it's got a question mark. And inside the can, unbeknownst to you, can be six different flavors of soda. Root beer, uh, fizz up, Cola with lemon, and, and the, the gimmick is you don't know what you get 
until you open the can. You could get anything. Or you could get whatever. You could get whatever kind of tea that they're making in that week, I guess. And um, I thought that was funny. I looked up the definition of anything and whatever. When I was a kid, I think I remember my, teacher, my teachers telling me, you're not allowed to define a word with the word itself, right? Like that's a basic principle of definitions. But listen to one of the definitions of anything. Anything is used to refer to a thing no matter what. <laughs> and whatever is used to emphasize a lack of restriction in referring to anything or amount no matter what, regardless of what. So whatever has no regard to the what, right? And anything has no regard to the thing. Anything, the anything, it, doesn't, it has no regard. It doesn't care what the thing is. And the whatever, it's like, whatever. It has no regard to the what. It's like, it can be ever whatever. It's, and that's, and I, in my research, I also found out that that's exactly the way that Jesus used these words. There's no like... You know, you get to the Greek and you're like, okay, that's really what he meant by whatever. No, he meant whatever. He meant anything. So what is the deal with that? Um, I cannot get over the extravagant statement that Jesus made. And I think he was taking his disciples somewhere. Look at John chapter 15. Just a few sentences later. John chapter 15, verse 7. Jesus said, If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. And look down to verse 16. Jesus said, You did not choose me, but I chose you and I appointed you to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last, then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Turn over to 16. And here Jesus is talking about future things, like after his death and resurrection, he starts to share his disciples with his disciples the future things in verse 20. He says, I tell you the truth, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief, but I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. I tell you the truth. My Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask, and you will receive, and your joy will be complete. John and James, they go on to comment on these scriptures later in Scripture. Listen to 1 John chapter 3, verse 21. Dear friends, if our hearts do not condemn us, we have confidence before God. And we receive from him anything we ask because we obey his commands and do what pleases him. 1 John 5, verse 14. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. 
in James chapter 4. We all, all know that James likes to mess with us with his words. He says, you want something, but you don't get it. You kill and you covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and you fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. So when we start to build this statement out of Scripture, we see all these qualifiers that start to shape the statement. We have to ask in Jesus' name. We have to abide. At some point, fruit is connected with asking Jesus anything. And all along, our motives are scrutinized, and every prayer needs to allow the Son to bring glory to the Father. So here's... Here's what I want to push us a little bit on today. I feel like a lot of us, and it's in my own life, I feel that when I start to unwrap all of this, it becomes so complicated that I become fearful of asking God anything because I'm like, man, I better get it just right. There's something good in that tension, but there's also something that I want to uh, warn us about, and that's this idea that we really should... Listen to Jesus when he says, ask me anything in my name and I will do it. And that's what I want us to get at. What does it mean? I mean, seriously, what does it mean to ask Jesus and ask God anything? Turn back to Luke chapter 22. This is basically at the same time frame in Jesus' life. We're going to see Jesus become an example of what we're talking about. Um, so Luke chapter 22, verse 39. We're going to pick it up. It says, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives, and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew about a stone's throw beyond he knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. An angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. And being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. And his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Did you know that in John chapter 5, verse 19, Jesus said, apart from the Father, I can do nothing. I can do absolutely nothing without him. Man, if Jesus said that, what does that say about my life? But here we have Jesus asking something of his Father. It's just really deep. Could Jesus have asked anything else to the Father that might have been harder? Could he have said any other thing except, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. What Jesus was asking was, God, if there's another way, if, there, if, if you're willing, if there's another way to save humanity, if, if there's a way that I wouldn't have to face what I'm about to face, let me know. I think what Jesus is doing is he's exposing 
his will before the Father. I mean, don't you think it's crazy that Jesus Christ had the desire for this cup to be taken from him? And when I think about that, I don't think less of Jesus. I actually think more of him because I realize that in his humanity, he's God, but in his humanity, he's, he's being real. He's being honest before his Father. I mean, thank God that we have a Savior that was willing to be in the real world and go through real things that are difficult and bring them and expose them to his Father. In fact, Jesus, in this thing, he teaches us. The hard thing is not figuring out what God's will is for Jesus. The hard thing is exposing his own will before the Father. And I think that's the same deal with us. Is that... Um, yeah, we know how to pray, and we say, yeah, we've got to pray in Jesus' name, and we've got to say, thy will, not my will be done. And so we tag those to all our prayers, because we're good Christians. And, but we never go to the deep place of exposing our own will before the Father. Jesus does. There's a huge connection between our will and, and asking God anything. I recommended a book in the bulletin at the bottom, and uh, there's a book from this, a quote from that book by Paul Miller, because he describes why asking God anything is so hard. Listen to this quote. He says, American culture is probably the hardest place in the world to learn to pray. American culture may be the hardest place in the world to learn to pray. He says, in the broader culture, and even in our churches, we prize intellect, competency, and wealth. Because we can do life without God. Praying seems nice but unnecessary. Money can do what prayer does. And it is quicker and less time-consuming. Our trust in ourselves and in our talents makes us structurally independent of God. And as a result, when a pastor exhorts us to pray, it doesn't stick. I totally agree with Miller. He's overstating a point to make a point. So he's saying, I mean, I think at, at some level, right, we all know in this room, okay, stay with me here. We all know, right, we have jobs. The jobs give us money, and money provides our daily bread. And that's how we function. It's, it's like a good system that we live in. Thank God for it. But we also fall into this trap of... Um, thinking, uh, when it comes to asking prayers, they seem nice, but they seem unnecessary. I, I was thinking about this. So like, so say Jesus was right here, standing next to me as a man, and he says, Terry, ask me anything in my name, and I will do it. I would be like, wow, that's, that's a great offer that he just made me. So I would be like, man, anything? So what does that mean? I'd, I'd think about it. I like to think about things. And, and um, I, I don't know, I'd, I'd say, Jesus, um, right now I have everything I need. So I'm pretty much good right now. But I'm definitely going to keep this offer in mind. And I'm going to come back to it when I need it. 
And at that point, I, I will ask you anything. But right now, I feel pretty good that things are going pretty well. And I don't need anything from you. And though we don't say it that way, we live that way, right? A lot of times. Because asking prayers, they, they feel unnecessary in our culture. We have this false independence that, that we actually can control things. That we can actually produce something. We feel productive in our jobs. We actually produce something. And then we provide for ourselves. And then, and then we go through life. And every once in a while when things get difficult or when, when times are tough, we recognize that God is in control. But man, thank you, God, that we have Jesus who is real. He lived in a real world and he just was completely ready to expose his own earthly desires before God, the Father in heaven. And that's what he did. He said, take this cup from me. I think Jesus knew that he had to like get this through to his disciples. And here's, here's the big idea for today. If, you write, if you're writing stuff down, you want to write one thing, it's this. Um, until we bring before God the anything of our desires, we are unable to say, your will be done. Until we come to God with the anything, the whatever, before him, until we bring that out, we are never able to say, thy will be done. Because thy will be done implies what? It implies that there's a will next to it, right? You can't say, thy will be done, unless, unless there's this will that's sitting next to it. And until we expose that in its deepest way, and so that's what Jesus was saying when he said, ask me anything in my name and I will do it. What he was saying is, go ahead, expose your will to me. You do it. And I know, I know, we're, we're so afraid to do that. We don't trust God. We think that our will is actually better. I mean, we honestly believe that, a lot of us. Right? We actually believe that our will is better than the will of God for our lives. And now we would never say it that way, but we, it's, it's so hard for us to expose before God the anything, the whatever. Um, and then when we do that, he starts to transform it. I just want to say, when you start to ask God for the whatever or the anything in life, this is what happens. First, you're going to lose things. You're going to lose control, and you're going to lose your independence. And for our culture, that's, that's not cool. I do not want to lose control, and I do not want to lose my independence. But what you're going to gain is you're going to gain a surrendered life, and you're going to gain friendship with God, and you're going to gain a dependent heart that you actually will have to depend on God so that you will actually have to ask him for anything. All of Jesus' teaching on prayer and the Gospels can be summarized in one word, ask. And the anything that, and the whatever that he points to, he's not trying to trick you. He's not trying to say, all right, you have to get it just right in the way that you say it. No, he's saying, expose the anything and the whatever that is there in your life. And then he's not just going to like throw it to the wind. He's going to take it and he's going to mess with it He's going to make it better. 
It may actually look, in the end, it might look similar. Because he, he has the best intentions for our lives. And I believe Jesus wanted to tell his disciples that. So do you think Jesus got it? Yeah, that's, that's a terrible question. Yeah, we know that he got it. But turn over to John chapter 18. Jesus tells all of his disciples, he prays, crazy pray, prays amazing prayers for himself, for the disciples, and for all believers. And then he goes out, and, and it, it goes down exactly like he described it. He gets arrested. He gets arrested. Now, if you are Peter, and, and you just heard what you heard, and then you go out, and Jesus gets arrested, what are you saying to yourself? You're saying, I am not going to disown this guy next to me. So what does Peter do? He pulls out his sword, and he cuts the dude's ear off, and Jesus is like, no, no. Look what Jesus says in, in uh, John 18, verse 11. He says, actually, he commands Peter. He says, Jesus commanded Peter, Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? I just love the, the bookends of those two pictures of Jesus exposing his will before the Father and then letting the Father in this fully surrendered deal, start to transform his will so that now Jesus is more focused on what God wants him to accomplish than he's ever been before. And that's how it is with us. And I want to encourage you that Jesus is telling us and he's telling you to ask him anything. He has no regard to the thing and he has no regard to the what. But he's saying, ask me, and I will do it. Now, how he answers, how he does it, okay, that's a whole other deal. And, and it's shaped by all those shaping things. But I want to um, just leave you with three ideas as we close. And that's this. <clears throat> so this is your homework. So pick one of these and work on it with the Lord. To ask God anything, you have to reflect on what you want. And I've seen a lot of people around me not do this in their lives, and then they get older, and they, and they finally do it then, if they have the time. But the, the Lord says, seek the Lord while he may be found, as the scripture says. So the first challenge is, I want to encourage you to ask God anything. And as you do that, I want to encourage you to reflect on what you want. Um, the second thing is I want you to ask God to save you. If you've never entered into like a really tight-knit, close, um, trusted, committed fellowship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. That's what salvation is. Paul said the basics. He said Christ died, he was buried, and on the third day he rose again. This is the gospel, the good news. But ask God to save you. Joel 2.32 says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So, um, 
If that's you, if you are here and you do not have friendship with God through his son Jesus Christ, and if you do not have salvation, if you're not confident in that relationship, I want to encourage you to ask God to save you. And I want to encourage you to talk to the person that you came with about it, talk to me, talk to someone that you love, and begin following him. And then the last thing is, I want to just say, be intentional. Um, All four of my kids know how to get my attention. And it works every time. This is what they do. They say, Daddy, 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 Daddy. And every time, by the ninth time, I promise by the ninth time it works. And I'm not exaggerating because I am that terrible of a focused person like you know, it's like they know they just have to, like, work this way to get my attention because I'm a terrible father at that, at that, that moment. <laughs> but, but the Lord is not that way. He says, um, all who seek me will find me. He says, seek me while he may be found. And he says, uh, call for my attention. Ask me anything, and I will do it. That's what he's saying. So, man, I pray that that, that just lands somewhere in your life in a biblical way that, that is meaningful. And I want to encourage you to, to seek God, to pray for anything and see what God will do in your life. So let's pray. Jesus, we are so grateful for your example, the example of your son, God, the example of your son, Jesus, who, who is our Savior. God, I do pray, if there's anyone here that doesn't have... Um, just like a a very real, close, meaningful relationship with you. God, I pray that they would receive Jesus. God, I pray that you would save them. And if that's you here today, uh, this is is the kind of prayer that you can pray. You can say, Jesus, I want to ask you something in particular today. This is my anything. God, would you save me? And he will do it. And, and then you let the rest, the, the discipleship and the fellowship, you let that flow from that decision to follow him. But I also want to just encourage you to become a person of prayer. And this is for everyone. I want to encourage you to become a person of prayer, a person that actually does have this close fellowship with the Father and says, You know what? Jesus did say, I can ask him anything in his name and he will do it. So I'm going to trust him in that. I'm going to do it. I'm going to expose the things on my heart before him. I'm going to let him transform me in the surrendered life. That's what the Christian life is. So God, I pray that over every person here that we would really be called to a life of prayer that's um, God-honoring, that allows the Son to bring glory to the Father. That's what we want to do now, God, is we want to give you glory through the name of your son, Jesus Christ. Amen.